of these days, I'm going to fix that. <laughs> Every time I start doing one of these episodes in my program, the metronome is on. <laughs> and it's really frustrating. I'm sure there's a setting to automatically turn that off. I mean, in all honesty, I don't even use it when I'm working on my music very much. So yeah, metronome be gone. But anyway, today I am back. I'm Charlie Tate, by the way. I don't think I've said my name in a very, very, very long time. So if you follow my podcast, I think my name is in there somewhere. <laughs> Listen to me. I don't even remember what I put in my settings and my bio. But uh, I am Charlie Tate, lover of Queen and many other things like the color yellow and bubbles and desert rain. Oh my gosh, you guys remember that song? Like the deserts miss the rain. <laughs> Life is song lyrics. I'm telling you. But today is a Queen Deep Dive day. Yes, indeed. And we are talking track number three on Queen's fifth album, A Day at the Races, released in 1976. Ladies and gents, this is a Brian May composition. And this is dive number 49. And the song is Long Away. I don't see or read a lot about this song anywhere. In fact, just yesterday, someone posed the question on the Queen's subreddit asking, what is your favorite song in which Brian and Roger sing lead? Not together, necessarily, just the songs that they each sing lead on, which is several here and there. And nobody said Long Away by Brian. Quite a few people said 39, which is understandable. This is a little bit of an echo of 39. It's also folk-inspired, maybe not quite so much, but this is classic folk rock. I almost wrote classic rock when I was going through my notes. I thought, you know, this is almost just a basic classic rock song of the mid-70s. It has that feel, but it's still folk-infused, yes. And this is not uncommon for Mr. Brian May, Dr. Brian May. And this was a single released June 7th of 1977, so a good solid few months after the album A Day at the Races came out. Interestingly enough, this was only released as a single in the United States. And I have some theories as to why. We'll talk about that as we go through this. It didn't chart, but if I had to guess, it is because this is Queen, but it's not Freddie at the helm with the vocals. This is Brian's number in every way, and he sings lead on it as well. In fact, Freddie is there in the harmonies, as is Roger, but it's difficult to decipher Freddie. I can hear Roger in the background. I can hear him because his, his high voice is so distinctive. And I can also, of course, he has this one moment where he takes lead for a phrase. But Freddie feels very much absent here. So if I had to guess as to why this didn't do well on the charts, that is just one guess, is that Freddie is almost entirely absent to the ear, and that perhaps was a bit confusing for people who may have only known Queen in the States at this point from Bohemian Rhapsody, and really the guys didn't even begin to peak in the States at this point. So... 
I think it was a smart move to release the single there. And again, I'll talk about why I think the guys did that and why I think, despite the fact that it didn't chart, I think it wasn't a bad idea to put it out there. We're at 117 beats per minute, comfortable tempo, in the time signature of 4-4. Not a whole lot of complexity there. And of course, one key, the key of A major, a very nice, bright, happy key. But this song isn't all bright happiness. I think sonically it feels quite warm. But this is comforting one in mourning while questioning the meaning and existence of both the afterlife and life itself, and perhaps the connection between the two. Brian has always questioned the afterlife. He's agnostic. He's talked about this quite a bit. He's not entirely decided what's out there. I appreciate his honesty. As a believer myself, I, I am fascinated when people explore and they research and they wonder. Even me, I, I have done a lot of reading about other religions, other beliefs. I like to be informed. I like to understand where people are coming from. So I love this about Brian. I love that he's always thinking about the big picture. I love that he's very reflective. And he does that here. This is all magical, melancholy, with a silver lining only Brian May can give us in a song. He's so good at this. Long Away is dreamy electric 12-string guitars sweeping multi-tracked vocals, and Brian's wistful lead vocal that creates an atmosphere of hope, contrasted with the reflective sadness in the lyrics. And almost immediately, echoes of 39 and its nostalgia appear. And this is certainly a sister track of sorts. It's a very straightforward, folk-inspired rock song with simple chord structure, syncopated vocal delivery, in fact, the whole arrangement is quite syncopated and a particularly melodic bass line. Nice job, John. We love you. I love moments like this where we get to hear John move around on his bass a little more. It feels quite American in a way, this song. And this is why, perhaps why, it was released as a single there. I want to talk about that a little bit. There's something about this, and it's not the only song on A Day at the Races, that feels more American rock. I think, generally speaking, at the time, there was a little bit of a folk influence going on in American rock. You can hear it in other artists' tunes in the mid-70s. You had a little bit of that flavor. And the guys here, whether it was a subconscious thing or a conscious thing, that's where some of the music went. So I think... As I said, I think it was an interesting and, and good move to release the single there. It's a bummer that it didn't chart, but if Freddie had been on lead, maybe that would have been different. I don't think it would have done the song any favors, if I'm honest. I feel like this is Brian's number. It's great to have him on lead vocals here. I think he gives that wistful delivery in a way that only he can. So he deserves to have that lead, and I'm glad he has it. But yeah. I'm sure that's why they decided to release it there. There's just something about this that feels very American in a way. Freddie, Roger, and Brian provide rounded harmony vocals. And for all its simplicity in the arrangement, the chords used, this song has something very special. It's memorable, it's catchy, hummable, singable, lovable, relatable. And thanks to 
the production work on A Day at the Races. Queen produced this album themselves. Everything sounds balanced, strong, clear, gorgeous. I love the drums here, as with every other song on the album. I love the sound of Roger's drumming. And Brian's guitar, he may not be on his red special through most of this number. Surprise, surprise. But... He's still just as lyrical and smooth as ever, still distinctly his playing. And the solo in the bridge, which is played on his Red Special, the second portion of it, sounds like this marvelous echo of the lead vocal arrangement. Brian's ability to take a vocal performance and give it a special twist on his guitar. So it feels similar, but it's a different set of notes. It's fully realized here, his ability to do that. It may not be as innovative as 39, but something about long away lingers in my head long after it's finished playing. This is such a wonderful song. I've had it in my head ever since I started thinking about A Day at the Races. It sticks with me. It's one of those that it doesn't scream quite as loud. It's not loud, hard rock and roll. It's not like Now I'm Here. It's not like Death on Two Legs. It's not like Die Your Mother Down, which came at the start of this album, and of course is also a Brian May composition, but this has that kind of Brian silver lining charm that I love so much. And it was never played live during Queen's tours in the 70s or the 80s. It was played, at least in part, in a very rare performance or two with Queen and Paul Rogers when they toured in 2005, and I think this was in Japan. I don't know if this was done once as one of those rare little treasures of a one-off or if this was something that they did a handful of times on that tour. But it was never played when the guys, the core group, when the guys were together with Freddie. And I'm really sad about that. I, I, I could Uh, This is another one of those moments where I could imagine this being played. I could imagine Freddie taking the lead on the vocals and all three of the guys singing these beautiful harmonies together. I mean, they did 39 downstage. They all went to the front of the stage and played with Roger pounding out the bass drum and his tambourine. They all did it together. And I wish they had done this at least once. I think it could have been a great sister track with 39. And in fact, maybe they could have put them together. Maybe they could have cut them in half and sort of done them as this little medley. I don't know. I don't know. I'm dreaming again. (laughs) But I wish we'd had this a little bit when the core group was together. Sadly, we did not get any of that. Freddie described this as having, quote, unquote, very interesting harmonies. And he mentioned that in an interview in 77, I think it was, not long after this album was released. And in 82, Brian himself named this as one of the few lesser-known tracks he'd like to be remembered for because it has a lot of emotion in it. And he also mentioned White Queen as it began in that list. Then much later in 98, Brian talked about the instruments for Long Away, saying, quote, Long Away is a Burns 12-string. I couldn't play Rickenbackers because the necks are too thin. I like a very fat and wide neck. My fingers only work in that situation. I always wanted to play a Rickenbacker because John Lennon did. And he talks a little bit more in that same quote about how 
he wanted to play certain guitars and he ended up playing this one here. It's interesting that this is one of the only songs where we get Brian on something else other than his Red Special. This happened a handful of times. Crazy Little Thing Called Love is also another one. But usually Brian's on his Red Special. But here he went for a different sound. So he used a different guitar through most of the song. So he went with the Electric Burns 12-string guitar. I love 12-string guitars. Such a richness to them. John Denver played a 12-string quite a bit. I love the sound on his songs as well. There's just something about the richness and the warmth and all of those notes being played on those 12-string guitars. And I'm really glad that Brian chose to do that here. I don't know if it was more out of necessity because of the arrangement. I haven't studied it enough to know if that's the case, but I'm so glad that he he went there doing that on that guitar in this song. And he gets such a lyrical style out of both his Red Special and the 12 string here. It's lovely. And this is the only Queen single released during Freddie's lifetime on which he doesn't sing lead. I bet a lot of you guys didn't know that. This is the only song that was a Queen single that has someone else singing lead vocals. Woohoo, Brian! <laughs> I gotta say, that's pretty cool that Brian has that honor. And again, interesting that they chose to release this song as a single in only the United States. Not a lot is said about this song among the fandom. Even now, I mentioned that earlier, this is seldom mentioned. I don't see a lot of people talking about Long Away. But critics enjoyed this when the album A Day at the Races was released. More than one publication named it one of the best songs on the album. Washington Post said, an affectionate recreation of the mid-60s Beatles' birds sound Wesley Strick of Circus Magazine had a mixed reaction for the album, A Day at the Races, as a whole, but he named this the album's best song, calling it haunting and saying, quote, never smartass or strictly for laughs, long away, unlike most of races, feels real. I love what he says about long away, but Wesley, not liking the rest of the album. Oh my. So he talks about how Long Away is not smartass or strictly for laughs, implying that he feels a lot of the tracks on A Day of the Races are meant to be very sort of tongue-in-cheek or just show off, et cetera, et cetera. This is a common thing for the guys, actually. As we get into the latter part of the 70s, there were critics that criticized Queen for going over the top simply because they could, simply because they, they wanted to show off. Even if that's true, first of all, I still think A Day at the Races is their most beautiful album. I'm glad they have these lush, very busy, extravagant arrangements. I didn't, I don't know if I used that word when I talked about A Day at the Races as a whole. It is very extravagant. It's very opulent, very opulent, this album. I love it. But for Wesley to say that, that he's implying that the other tracks are all fluff and perhaps no substance, that this is the only song that feels genuine. Oof, that's pretty harsh. There are so many beautiful 
heartfelt moments on a day at the races. I haven't even talked about most of them. And Roger's best song, well, one of his best songs written for Queen is on this album. So, okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get off my soapbox because I'm going on a tangent here. I'm going away from Long Away, which I don't want to do. But I just had to talk about that a little bit more because I'm offended. I mean, yes, he's entitled to his opinion. Absolutely. And he's not the only one for that matter. But moving on, moving on. Back to Long Away. Let's just focus on Long Away. Let's focus on this gorgeousness, this song, this beautiful number from Brian. Strummed, comforting, familiar guitar riffs. So lyrical, magical. Brian, ugh, he's just so good at this. They surround us, these guitars. Before Roger bursts in with his crashes, John joins the chords, setting that tonic. The offbeat arrangement of the guitars is catchy and into the first verse, it's heavy with drums and cymbals. John's oh so melodic bass line. It's fun to listen to just the bass through this entire track. It's almost necessary that movement on the bass line because there are only several chords in the verse arrangements. And that dancing bass up and down the scale, such a nice touch, such a nice glittery effect in those chords. And into the pre-chorus, which I love, the lyric here, lonely as a whisper on a star chase. The guitars, the bass, complimentary, and Brian's delivery of these lyrics and those that follow, for all the prayers in heaven, so much of life's this way. His reflection and searching, seeking through the melodies and the harmonies, I love this Brian. I love his emotions and expression as he wades through the pain and the sorrow and the sadness. There's a comfort here. If I was going through something trying myself, I'd want Brian there to serenade me. That's exactly what he does here. Then a repeat of the intro chords down the scale. Did we leave our way behind us? All the boys, sans John, of course, sing in unison. I almost immediately hear the higher harmonies, and I often sing them whenever I sing along to this part. But I don't think this is just Roger. This is certainly one of those instances where the guys all provided each harmony. I can hear Brian's softer falsetto in there. But at the end of that phrase, there's Roger. Look for the day in full chest voice, nice and crisp and strong and high. It's his one lead vocal moment, and it's a nice surprise. And he has a nice mix of toms and snares in there too in that moment. Into the bridge and the solos, I love the hummable arrangement of these guitars, the counterpoint, the parallel harmonies. Brian brings his red special in in that second half with its unmistakable tone and delivery, and he lingers on a cluster of harmonies. With John, so created by guitars and bass, with notes clashed together, creating this wonderful tension and urgency. F sharp, G sharp, A, B, C sharp, D. It fades into the final verse, softer, reflective, comforting, quiet, with minimal instrumentation and a lighter touch on the drums. John's still grooving on that bass, though. Brian's voice sits right at home here. This last pre-chorus that builds is one of my favorite moments, definitely in this song and on this entire album. Those 
ahs in the background, a little reverb, distance from the listener. Totally appropriate given the lyrics. And I love that playful drum beat from Raj after the lyrics, come let the new child play. Nice touch. I love when instrumentation's music echoes a lyric like that. And then this beauty right here, for all the stars in heaven, I would not live. I could not live this way. Ugh, Brian's so good. He's such a good lyricist. He's such a good writer. Magical tambourine like a shooting star. Fade in to those wonderful guitars. Nice drum riffs from Roger here. Accenting those multi-tracked vocals. This crescendo with more and more vocals going higher and reaching. And a final resolution from Brian's lead that comfortably ends this lovely, memorable, melancholy song. This reminds me of Dido stuff, actually. I've talked about Dido and how she does melancholy really well in her lyrics, but there's always this warmth, particularly in her song, Stoned. There's the same idea, the same sentiment here. The music is kind of bouncy in a way. It's kind of warm. It's rich. It invites you in. It's comforting, but the lyrics, and yes, the lyrics are comforting too, but there's some sadness here. There's a lot of reflection. There's a lot of resolving to accept things the way they are and try to make the best of it. There's a lot of wondering. I love that about Brian, that he's always seeking something. This is such, I just, I relate to this so much. I totally get this. I totally get you, Brian. And that is long away. Goodness, how I wish they had performed this live, the four of them. This would have been such a treat to hear this. In fact, I would have loved hearing Brian take the lead on this live. Ah, the what ifs, the if onlys that could have happened. Long away, guys, check it out. Go listen to it. It's one of those I think you'll find, even if it doesn't impress you immensely. You know, it's not like Bohemian Rhapsody or even Brian's work, The Prophet's Song, which has so much intensity in it. But there's something about this that's very welcoming and comforting, and you kind of want to go back to it. And as I said, I keep hearing this in my head all day long. I've been singing the melodies all day long. I've been singing the guitars all day long. Did we leave away behind us? Such a long, long way behind us. It, it just, it, it's one of those that just gets in your brain. I love it. I could fall asleep listening to this. It's that comforting. It's that nice. It's just a nice one from Brian. So go check out Long Away and let me know what you think. And I'll be back next time. Maybe I'll do something different. It's been a few Queen episodes now, so it's time for me to talk about something else. And I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. I have all these ideas and I just got to feel it. I got to feel it. But um, I'm going to go retire from this now. I'm done with this episode. <laughs> Listen to me talking like I'm, I'm finished. No, it's just I'm a little bit out of sorts still after my head surgery. I'm feeling a little disconnected and disjointed. And I feel like that's coming across right now. So I'm just going to stop <laughs> before I keep rambling. But I will be back again next time, guys. Keep yourselves alive. And have a great rest of your day, a great start to your day, however, whatever is going on as you listen to this. Thanks for tuning in, by the way. More and more and more of you have been listening from all different parts of the world. I've been incredibly surprised to see 
the diversity where you guys are listening from. And it's very exciting. So I hope you'll keep tuning in. Drop me a line on Twitter or on Instagram, Tater Thoughts Pod. Check it out. I hope to connect with you guys in other places. All right, guys. Take care. <laughs>